0: Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, as has been the case during quarantine season. We've got the whole crew here Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament breaking down our all time Ottawa Senators team. Last week, we picked fantasy draft style, each our own top 12, top six, and two goalies. This time, we've put our brain power together. And we'll be unveiling a full lineup of all-time Senators and the news of the day. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, April 27th. Happy birthday to a friend of the show, Drake. Drake. Batherson, the Sens prospect, soon to be prodigy, turns 22 today. Boys, we've also got the long-awaited news. Pilsy, Artem Zoob is an Ottawa Senator.
1: Can you believe it? This has been one of the most drawn-out negotiations, if you even want to call it that. I think Dorian just had a mystery team just to make it look like he uh, outsmarted someone. I don't know if there ever was a mystery team or if they stuck around for long, but the Ottawa Senators desperately needed a right-hand shot defenseman, and uh, Zub, he seems to fit uh, the category of exactly what they need in a guy similar to Dylan DeMello, right? He uh, portrays from what we've seen and read from his uh, time in the KHL as a guy who can play all over the ice and hopefully... We talked about it uh, off air before the show. He's a guy that we're not going to say his name a lot. You know, we're not going to be dreading that Zub is on the ice again. We're not going to be worried about mistakes he's going to make. He's going to play a nice, clean game. And, guys, I don't know about you, but I really think that this is just a stopgap guy. Like, this is just a guy to get you, get Lassie Thompson some time in Belleville. JBD, we already know, is going back to school. So, with right-hand shot defensemen, you're looking at Zaitsev, Yaros and Lassie Thompson pretty much before Zub came here. So he, it's out of necessity that they're signing this guy because I don't think they're going to sign a big free agent in the offseason, although Ross is holding on to Petrangelo. Um, maybe Ron Haynes will be back. Who knows? But really, this is just something that the Sens needed to do to get Lassie Thompson and JBD more time to develop. And then eventually they'll come up. And I wouldn't be surprised if Zub only plays one or two years at most with the Senators.
0: He's a 24-year-old right-shot defenseman. You can also call him an Olympic gold medalist from 2018 yeah. in Pyeongchang. But priorly kind of what Pillsy said, there's not a lot of spunk to his game. It's very simple.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think this is a guy you're not really going to notice much. Uh, we might talk about him a couple times on the show next year. It's going to be a guy that uh, kind of plays his role efficiently. You know, it's, he's six foot two, 198 pounds, so he's going to be a guy that you know, can can throw his body around. He's definitely not a smaller guy, but uh I think he's gonna be a guy that kind of uh has a good stick, good positioning, kind of quietly goes about separating man from puck and then a couple stick handles and it's up the ice. So I mean if that's what you want in a right shot defenseman, uh for these, yeah, maybe stopgap years, low risk, high reward. He could be here for two years and it could just be a stopgap and uh twenty six and he's on the road, but who knows? He could come over here, have um you know, really start to develop, and uh, who knows, this could be a uh, bit of a bang for your buck. Obviously, we don't know what the buck is yet, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one turns out for sure.
0: As you probably heard, Milo does like the deal. My dog was uh, making his debut on today's episode, just wanting to get... Debut? He's been on
1: the show a couple times. He's almost in our friend of the show category here.
0: Really? I feel like he's done pretty well at not barking, but sometimes you can hear his claws... uh, Digging around as he's just flying around the apartment uh, from now and again. Before we move on, Artem Zub, you mentioned a random right shot defenseman. Well, his former teammate from last season, David Runblad and Igor Ajaganov, better known for when Thomas Shabbat put his jock strap in the rafters of Scotiabank Arena. Okay, so that's the news of the day. Uh, we've also got to touch on some bad news before we get to the all time Ottawa Senators lineup that we've created here. And that is the mayor of Belleville today. He did announce the ice is out at CAA arena. And it seems like it is all but certain that the AHL season will be canceled. And this comes at the time where there seems to be more optimism than ever that the NHL will be able to finish their season. Now, Pilsy, there's not as many dollars, of course, in the AHL as in the NHL. So it might not make sense logistically. Whether it's the safe thing to do or not is another thing. I'm just talking financially and whether it would happen or not, but what a blow to the Belleville Senators.
1: Ross, I'll tell you one thing. If they need to get the ice back in at CAA Arena, they can probably use the tears from you and I, who are just so sad that this team didn't get to go on the storied run, and I've said it all along. They were going to go to the Calder Cup. Like This was their year, 2020. Belleville Senators, Calder Cup champions, and Something like this that shakes the world obviously uh, causes that to end. And I don't think AHL is going to be back. I mean, there's just too many logistics. There's there's too many obstacles in place. And like you said, the dollars aren't there. And uh, sadly, I don't think the fan support is there, too, to uh, make it worth risking. And just the logistics, like... I'm sure you guys have read the same 30 articles of proposing different ideas of how to get the NHL back. Well, the AHL would just be a whole nother story because they don't have the the luxuries that the NHL has, right? So... I think uh, that's a wrap on the 2020 Belleville season, and it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it goes.
2: It's unfortunate because I agree, Pillsy. I was all over this wagon of an AHL squad right from the beginning. They had so much success, so many guys putting up just great numbers. The goalie tandem was such an interesting story going into the playoffs. I think they just had like potentially a three-headed monster back there with Hogberg maybe returning, and then all the big boys down there. I would have loved to see rookie pro josh norris to kind of lead this squad down the middle with guys like philip schlapik logan brown i mean you just name it these guys would have been so much fun to watch It would have been really good for eric brandstrom on the back end as well i think to be playing some intense minutes at the ahl kind of that middle ground potentially between regular season nhl hockey and then ahl regular season hockey getting to play those playoffs with a little more intensity but still having a little more time with the puck i think would have been huge for his development there's so many little things. One thing, if it's a it's a sour note, as you said, because this is kind of the unofficial ending of it. But uh, it was only good memories, you know. There's only good things to build on for Belleville and all those players that had big years. So I guess if you want to tie a positive bow on it, that's the way you got to go with it. That nothing uh, nothing bad happened, and it was all good. So partly you-
1: you're you're saying smile because it happened, don't cry because it's over, eh?
2: Exactly. Yep.
1: And yep. the real problem here, and partly you touched on it, it's the ripple effect here. Like, sure, it's unfortunate that the AHL is done those players don't get the chance. Ross and I don't get to make our journeys and uh, win a couple bucks betting on the Belleville Centers. But it's the development that you talked about. Like, this was a huge year for uh, Brandstrom and just guys that um, they wouldn't get that playoff experience up in the NHL club, but they would go on a deep playoff run and form chemistry and... Uh, develop and build better relationships between each other going on this run. So th- I think that's really the most unfortunate part of it. The ripple effect that it has shutting down this season on those developing prospects.
0: Well, one of those developing prospects, Eric Brantstrom, his highlights are now all on YouTube from this season, courtesy of Send's Prospects. So definitely go check that out. It was an awesome video. Starts with a couple snipes. I'd forgotten the one against the Marlies, man, where he's in on a two-on-one and he, goes outside in, it almost looked like the dangle I mentioned earlier, Shabat on Ajaganov, where he just goes right through him, basically, and then he's off balance and manages to pull the puck back into his feet and rip one past the Marley's goalie. It was awesome. Was that when he first got to Belleville? Uh, yeah, I think it was on home ice.
1: Yeah, Definitely. when he first got to Belleville after the stone trade, he was hurt for a bit. But then when he finally made it to Belleville, though, he was tearing it up. I don't think he got to play too many games, but when he first got there, it was looking real good. And then he had to go back and play in the NHL due to the crazy injuries that uh, that team suffered. And that kind of hindered his development, too. So I think him spending more time in the Belleville would have benefited him so much more.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think from there, we should get into our all-time Senators roster here. It's kind of a play on what the TSN hockey guys are doing. And they unveiled their first one today with the Montreal Canadiens. And there's a lot of criteria for it. And all of what it adds up to is that they want it to feel like a real hockey team. And by that, I mean that there's a checking line. There's a shutdown pair. Players have to be slotted in the position they played with the team. There has to be at least one current player or goalie. And thank God that this guy never got traded. Because other than that, I don't know who else would even be available. Because the final criteria is that everyone has to have played at least 225 games with the team. Parley, lead us off with that top line. It looks so nice to see it written down. These three had quite the time playing together.
2: Oh yeah, get your pizza, boys, because they're putting up at least a touchdown a night. These guys, Jason Spezza, Heater, Danny Heatley, and the captain of the squad, undoubtedly, Daniel Alfredson.
1: I mean, I don't even think any of us took a second to think about what that top line was going to be. And guys, it's good that uh, the three of us are putting our brains together here, because as we uh, found out, my fantasy draft team was... 50% uh, voted the best team by all you guys on Twitter. Thank you for coming to your senses. These guys were laughing at me during the draft. I thought I did a good job, and turns out you thought so too. So Team Brandon all the way, and now I'm helping Ross and Chris make proper decisions with this draft. Crickets. That's what I thought. We can move on.
0: Wow. Well, what makes Spets, Albertson, and Heatley so special? I mean, we're just throwing these names out. You could just... Go through the list of accolades. Why don't you, if you know everything about them.
1: Ross, first, I want to stat from you. How many cups of garlic dipping sauce did these guys help you go through the pizza line? <laughs> How many pizzas? And Ross just uses pizza as a vehicle for garlic dip. So it's Vessels. more the garlic dip line for uh, Ross over
0: there. And especially because Pizza Pizza was the sponsor for the Sens during those, those teams and <laughs> It was a lot of garlic dip, actually. That's a very good question. I'd say at least 50 liters.
2: Oh, Ooh, 50 wow. and 07. Nice.
0: Yeah, 50 liters and and o- 07. And there 06. People forget that. Yeah. Back-to-back 100-goal yeah. back seasons. The three of them also all finished the 07 playoffs with 22 points. That is tied for first in the National Hockey League. How many times in league history to three teammates, line mates, lead the Stanley Cup playoffs in in scoring. Uno, dos, tres. Well, the three of them did. So, moving on now, Pillsy, second line. And the second line,
1: uh we had some debate over, but it was pretty straightforward as well. We're going to go Havlat, Yashin, and Hosa. I mean, this is a line that's going to give you speed, talent, goal scoring. Like Really, for a second line, it doesn't get much better than that. You've got so much talent on there. Sure, the way Yashin left wasn't great. Hosa brought in Heatley, so that was always nice. And then Havlat, the speed on that guy. I mean, he's kind of comparable. Uh, I i had the argument uh, that Hoffman could be put in that place too, but I think Havlat was a better all-around player. Uh, both speedy guys that could put the puck in the net. So I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but that is a second line that uh, would definitely be feared in the NHL.
0: Yeah, they could get your defense on on their heels with uh, Havlat's speed, but still defensively responsible. You look at Hossa as a selkie guy throughout his career, always in the mix there, even though he was a winger, and that's an award that usually goes to centerman. And then you mix Hossa's two-way play with Yashin, who's got unbelievable vision, and you're right, Pilsy, that is a feared top six. Parley, how are you going to round out the top nine before we get to our checking line?
2: Yeah, the checking line definitely adds a couple different dynamics to it. But uh, this this third line is definitely nothing to scoff at here. Uh, A guy that, you know, when I was originally going through the list here, it was... It's funny to see a guy like this, Mark Stone, drop to your third line just because, I mean, his all around play. But when you got a guy like Marion and Daniel Offertson in front of you, it's tough to climb that louder. Two balls uh, of Exactly. So you got Mark Stone on the right side there with Radic Bonk up the middle and Sean McKechrin on the left side. I think that's just going to add some nice top line depth or, sorry, top nine depth for you. Um, radic Bonk, I mean, he had, uh, he had quite the career for the Senators. You had Mark Stone in there, who's going to create opportunities. And then Sean McEachern, another guy who's got good plus minus over his career. He's able to put the puck in the net. Bit of a bigger body as well. So, you know, these guys, uh, this is a solid third line, I think, you can put out there really any time. And I, th- I think that that's the value of a good third line when a coach can come off like DJ Smith said a lot of last year and said, you know, I could roll the top 12 pretty much anytime I wanted. I think that's very valuable in the depth and success of a team. And uh, I would have no problem throwing this third line out there, boys. A guy like Sean
1: McEachern, uh, I feel like always gets kind of lost in the mix. He, he was a consistent uh, point producer, like almost every year, 50 points for this guy. He had 32 goals and 40 assists in 2000, 2001. So, Definitely uh, a guy that can play with the likes of Bonk and Stone. So I like that third line, even though we get a little old school with uh, Bonk and McEachern in there. But that line is uh, definitely also going to put the puck in there. I mean, you said it. Mark Stone on a third
0: line is crazy. Mark Stone, 123 goal. That, that's 10th all time in Sen's history. Albeit he played less games than both Bonk and McEachern, but... Bonk seventh in team history with 152 and McEachern right behind him. 10 less at eighth, Only Eric Carlson in between. And we'll get to the defense coming up in a little bit, but yeah, I love what Bonk brings Fourth all time among Sens forwards in points. And he was a big body probably wouldn't have the same career in today's NHL that he was able to do in the late nineties, early two thousands when that big centerman was so important to really cause havoc down below the hash marks, but still a really good player. And, like I told Parley, we're not asking these guys to go out in uh, 2020 and win a game here. But if you look at the era that he played in, same with Yash. And those are two guys that are so big down low and, and could really cause problems. And those are also characteristics that you'd want to see in a checking line. So, Par uh, Pillsy, go back to you here for the fourth line as we alternate here. Who would you be comfortable in putting up with some of the best offensive lines, lining them up head to head?
1: Right away, we... Had no problems putting Fisher and Neal in here. Well, Fisher we originally had in our third line spot, but it felt it felt too bad leaving Bonk off this list, so we had to get him in there. Fisher and Neal right away, and then we I think probably the most debate we had was the fourth line left winger, and we ended up going with Magnus Arvidsson and Ross. That was your guy, so I'll let you uh, I'll let you tie down why he was the the pick in this really tough. Uh, spot on your fourth line to figure out
0: he created right away 11 goals in his first 60 games but always a defensively responsible winger 21 goals in his second year plus 33 and if you if you look down he played what seven years with ottawa plus 27 plus 23 plus 33 as i mentioned in that second year he just did it on both ends, and he was always there for Alfie, and and they played well together. I thought, I thought especially like in the early 2000s, but I, I just loved what he brought to the game. Two were some of the other names we threw around there: Chris Kelly, Antoine Vermette was another one. But those two <laughs> guys, we weren't sure. Like a lot of them, they obviously took a lot of face-offs throughout their career. We didn't know if they counted just as centermen. But I, th- I think even still, and then uh, Peter Schaefer was another name we threw out there. We just thought maybe he was a bit too of an offensive-minded guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was tough to find, you know, with that rule, like I mentioned earlier, it was tough to find a spot to put some of these guys because of the talent in front of them. It's such a long pool from ninety-two-93 to put to try and put twelve guys together, you know, to make your top four lines. So guys do definitely get kind of pushed to the side because, you know, Peter Schaefer played a lot like Martin Havlat, but you're not gonna play him in front of Martin Havlat because then you're gonna kick two more guys off the list behind him, you know what I mean? So it's just tough to find guys' spots in a lineup like that. So uh, maybe um, he was overall a better player, but uh, maybe you could maybe say he was a little bit one-dimensional and that one dimension wasn't needed on this list.
0: Yeah, and Arvidsson brought speed too, which mm-hmm. was yep. so important in that fourth line, especially like Fisher was so fast, but he had that mean streak as well. And then you go the completely other uh, other side of, of uh, a skill set with Chris Neal and just causing absolute havoc and not being afraid to mix it up. So I I love kind of the variety that you can get from your fourth line in this situation.
1: Yeah. And Chris Neal, we almost had him as our uh, foundation guy too. And uh, I saw a memory on Twitter. I don't know if it was uh, on this day or whatever, but it was Neal. Remember when Neal got brought back in that New York series to take care of Tanner Glass and the, the picture is Neil punching glass in the face. And the quote is your fun stops here <laughs> from Chris Neil. So you got to love that kind of character and grit and, He epitomizes what you want on that fourth line uh, role as a guy who's going to go up against some of the top players on the other teams and just be a total agitator. So you got to love Chris Neal from Flesherton, Ontario.
0: Yeah, that was from TSN 1200. They're re-airing that game. Well, probably as we record. But that was uh, that was awesome. I got a chuckle out of that this morning as well. Love that.
2: Another well, thing to add too, sorry, just to hop in there when you're talking, making a case for his uh, being a foundation player, uh, even though he made the list. but uh, just to throw out another accolade for this guy was he played a thousand games. Do you remember? And uh, i always I always loved that he got in a scrap in that game. And then uh, did he not get the shootout attempt, and he tried to go skate to stick? He and uh, absolutely just, did. Just uh, definitely, that was one of my favorite days and uh, maybe not a great year for the Sens, but, uh, well, I guess, yeah, it was a great year for the Sens, but, uh, maybe a forgotten storyline, I guess you could say, but, uh, yeah, Chris Neal getting a thousand games is just another kind of accolade to throw on there. And for me, boys, he might actually get a letter on this team. You think so? You'd put the A on him? I'd think I'd That's put That's not an too a on crazy. Him. Yeah. Yeah. What, are you going to give it to Yashin? <laughs> <laughs>
0: A lot of hate for Yashin on the Locked On Senators podcast. We've got your team every day, but if you're a Yashin fan, I don't know if we can have you by the sounds of these boys. These hyenas are coming <laughs> at the Yashin community. But let's get to, I think, the strength of this team. And there's a lot of talent in that top six. But on the back end, this is about as deep as possible. And we'll start with, I don't know, this just lets my imagination run wild. Zidane chair on the left side with Eric Carlson. On the other that I don't think you can get a better decor in if you put any team any team's top defenseman side by side just the contrast in their style the contrast in their game but yet such a high skill level for both
1: oh absolutely and I mean just we always remember Carlson's days where he was that riverboat gambler kind of guy if you want anyone covering up from Carlson's early mistakes in his career, it's Big Z. Because not only is he going to do that with a smart defensive skill, but just the range of this guy. He's physical, he blocks shots, he throws hits, and he is an absolute demon in front of the net to those guys trying to screen and tip pucks in front of the Sens goalies. So, yeah, that that's a match made in heaven, uh, Chara and Carlson, and that would just, I would love to see one game of those two together.
2: You know how last week we talked about uh, Ross and I, he had Big Z on his left side, and uh, then he had Jason York, I believe, on the right side. I had Carlson on the right side with Sergei Gonchar, and we talked about how you know sometimes that you have such a good player it can cover the blemishes of the player playing beside him. Find a blemish on this line. I mean, you have everything you need. You have the skating ability and the offensive ability of Eric Carlson. You've got the toughness, the meanness of Big Z, who in my books would get the other a Elfie would get the C just kind of round out my, my, uh, captaincy theories on this team. But, uh, yeah, big Z adding all the things he does. Imagine trying to get past that blue line. You wouldn't even have to play the one through one trap because you pretty much would have three guys with the lateral ability and the quickness of Eric Carlson, and then just the sheer size of big Z. So yeah, uh, this is kind of the dream line. And I think that that would probably be a top line across a lot of teams if uh, they were made available these two were absolutely legendary one guy's still going into his 40s which is nuts and he's still an animal in the gym eric carlson uh obviously a little bit's been uh, said about him in the last little while but i promised i would never slander him on the podcast so that's all that i'll say i'll throw it over to you pilsey
1: well i was just gonna say quickly uh Be careful giving Chara the A there. That was a big reason why uh, he went to Boston is to become the captain. So, I don't know. You might have to uh, work in some contract negotiations, maybe some signing bonuses for Big Z to stay and wear the A there.
2: I'll just make all the door frames bigger or something. Make his life a little
1: easier. (laughs) Extra leg room on the team jet. (laughs) Yeah. That should do it.
2: Man, I just watched Chris Neal's shootout attempt.
0: That is so funny. It's against the San Jose Sharks. And then Kevin LeBanc wins the game on the next... uh, the next shot. That's awesome. Uh good gesture by Guy Boucher, though, allowing Chris Neal to, to shoot there.
1: Uh, Neal would just go like straight shot, like just try to bury it. Like don't like don't try to do anything special. Just try to beat the goalie. That but you gotta love it. You gotta love it. You have your chance, go for something big.
0: Flare, for unless the
1: you're asked for goggles. Jesus.
0: I don't think anybody in Sen's history had a bigger flair for the dramatics than Chris Phillips whenever it was a milestone game he would come to play. He, didn't he score two goals in his 1,000th game and two goals in his 800th game? I want to say he did.
1: He showed up for milestone games, yeah, for I, sure. I don't, I don't know if the first thing I would say about uh, Chris Phillips, though, is a flair for the Dramatics. Though.
2: <laughs> I'm going to throw a stat out there, and uh, I have no idea if it's true, but... Um, Good start. <laughs> yeah. For a long time in the National League, I believed Chris Phillips led the league in winning percentage when scoring a goal. I'm pretty sure like 90% of the time when Chris Phillips scored, the Senators won the game.
0: Uh, One thing I can tell you is that this second pair, our shutdown pair, will not have a problem with posting block shots on their stat sheet because both Chris Phillips and his partner, Anton Volchenkov, will eat. All pucks. And we mentioned the fourth line, that checking line. Well, if you throw these two over the boards every time they're out, I, I wouldn't worry about, uh, about losing many games.
2: I completely agree.
0: Well, yeah. Sure.
1: Volchenkov and shut down deep pair, Enough said you could put Cody CC beside Volchenkov and he'd still shut him down.
0: Wow. Yikes. That is high praise. A <laughs> train, but as a shutdown pair, you're low-key. So we don't want to give them too much attention, make them uncomfortable. Smart. We'll go down to the third D pair, where we have Wade Redden, who played his offside on the right for a lot of his career when he was paired with Chara. And then we went with the hometown guy, Mark Mathod. I, I mean, again, a guy who doesn't get a lot of, or make a lot of plays that'll like get you out of your seat. But, man, is he consistent. Is he smart? Is he good positionally? Just when when Methot came over to Ottawa, obviously everyone liked Nick Felino, although he did have a bit of an issue getting goalie interference penalties every other game. So, but then when Meth came in, it was just a breath of fresh air. So I think Meth did enough here in his time, although more recent and maybe didn't have the team success that these other guys would have had. I think he's more than belongs in this top six.
2: And I'm going to throw something out there too. You mentioned that he was a hometown guy. Uh, When I think of Mark Mathod, I think of a guy that is just going to bleed for your team. You know what I mean? He's going to do the stuff that, yeah, exactly. Obviously the finger comes to mind with that image that haunts us all, but... He's just going to do the things necessary to win the game. He's blue collar through and through and nothing better than a, a hometown guy playing blue collar hockey for his hometown team. So I'm happy to see him on there. And uh, yeah, Wade Redden playing the right side is something that uh, is a little bit cheeky. I'm not sure the TSN guys will be all right with that. But sure, we'll slide it through and uh, say he was, he was playing that defensive side on the right side. And that gets Mark Mathod in there. So that's uh, I think that'll leave everybody with a smile. What did Pillsy? what did you say? There's
0: only a certain amount of right shot D to ever play for the Sens over 225 games.
1: Yeah, guys, there really isn't a lot of options if if that's what you're looking for. And we, or more more so I found, big problems trying to uh, fit right D-men in my fantasy draft. For right defensemen that have played 225 games for the Sens, there's Lance Pitlick at the bottom at 228, Carl Wachunek, 246 games. And then, not till Jason York, another one, Cody Cece and Carl. That's it. So there's it's slim pickings on the right side. And hopefully, uh, Zub, he'll become a legendary right-hand shot defenseman. And uh, we can add him to that list one day.
0: Well, all these defensemen, their main job is to keep the puck out of the net. Huh. It's their second most important job after the goalie, who I think that's his only job. But if you ask Craig Anderson, he'd probably tell you his job is to get the puck up to the defense with the amount he likes to play the puck. Well, he has 11
1: assists with the Sens, Craig Anderson.
0: And how many goals against based off of turnovers? Like
1: within two seconds
0: of turnover.
2: More than 11?
1: do 50% of his goals, probably.
2: Goalie-friendly show? That just fires the boys up because remember when uh, the comeback win in Boston and overtime in the playoffs Yeah. when Eric Carlson just like walked the line, dished it over to brass, big-time celebration behind the net? Yeah, that's why that's why Andy turns it over. It's mind games with his own bench. It's that's a veteran move. Veteran move.
0: Spin zone. I don't think the goal is going to be much of a debate. It's going to be Craig Anderson and Patty Laleem, right, Pilsy?
1: Well, yeah, Ross literally – there is no debate, as Craig Anderson, as everyone knows, has played the most games as a goalie for this franchise, 435. Patty Laleem at 283, and that's it. I mean, next closest guy is Ron Tugnut at 166. So the Senators, they've definitely had a rotating crease uh, throughout their short history. But uh, yeah, Anderson and Laleem take it by default. And I mean, I think they would have been our picks regardless.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the third string you're you're looking at razor too. Let's say that yep. let's put let's put the cap at a hundred games instead. That way you can add guys like what Pascal Leclerc would probably nope. be added. No, less than a hundred games for Leclerc.
1: Way less. Are you kidding me? Forty-eight games.
0: No way. Yeah, really? the, the what's, list le, that, what's
1: Leonard at? So if you're doing a hundred games. Then, yeah, you get Tugnut, Emery, Rhodes, Elliot, and Gerber. That's it. Leonard's at 86 next. And then my boy, Dominic Hasek, at 43. Oh, wait. Really? No. Here we go. Here we go. Ger- yeah, Gerber, Elliot, Emery, Tugnut, Rhodes, Laleem, Anderson.
0: How many more games did Gerber play than Leonard?
1: Gerber played 100. Leonard played 86.
0: Okay. So 14. But still, that's, that actually surprises me. Anyways, I don't think this is going to surprise anyone. Our foundational player, a guy who didn't make the team, but he is the fabric of what the Senators do. I feel like we should almost be piping in that music, the chant, the Pajot chants, because it's obviously, obviously, Parley, it's JG Pajot.
2: Anybody else craving chicken parm, or is that just (laughs) me?
0: Oh, man, speaking of Pajot and craving food, he posted, no free ads, but he posted... A picture delivery of Shawarma Palace and I missed oh, Ottawa. Never more than in that moment. Man, what I would go for a quarantine chicken platter with extra garlic sauce right now.
2: How much do you think that delivery is to your apartment from Ottawa to downtown TO?
0: I would pay it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would tell them to throw in some GP egg rolls as well, like a oh, dozen yeah. kettleman's bagels, even though I actually have some kettleman's Make bagels worth- in the freezer. Yeah, you definitely have to make it worth it. I'd tell them to stop at all my favorites in Ottawa. I'm trying to think of some others off the top of my head. The gravy pizza The pizza with the gravy? Oh, yeah. Um, House of Georgies. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, we had that. The two days that you guys came to Ottawa, we did the absolute It was a
2: cuisine tour. The grand slam of Ottawa cuisine.
0: Absolutely. All you guys were missing were some beaver tails on the canal, and then you would have been absolutely in it. Um, Sticking it with
1: Pajot, though. Like, a a French-Canadian guy, and just, like, he kind of, I really, I feel, like, embodies the Sens because he was a little scrappy guy that, if you weren't a Sens fans, he wasn't really on your radar. Like, I don't think anyone that didn't know Pajot uh, would think he would get four goals in a playoff game. I mean, that's absolutely sick, right? So,
2: that's, (laughs)
1: Pajot, he would just... He was that guy that did what the Senators were trying to do as a whole. They He didn't have the size. He wasn't uh, like a high prospect or anything. And he ends up being a great player that they trade for a first, a second, and a third round pick. Like, it's absolutely insane what this guy's done for this franchise. So, Pajot, he didn't make the squad because guys like Fisher, uh, Vermette, Kelly, Bonk, those centermen were just a little too strong to get him on the squad, but he's got to be a part of this team's history.
2: And, and honorable mention to Kyle Turris as well. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you want to put that in there too, I think just a piggyback on, Uh, a Paggio point here remember for so long it was like oh he's a local kid he's a local kid Paggio just kind of seemed like the poster boy of that like a guy that's really localized to the team and he was able to add a lot to it like you said he was kind of fit the peskiness of the sentence but then flipping over yeah definitely Kyle Turris needs to be thrown in there because much like him or even Boros name could be put in there the just the charity work that they're they do around the community i think often goes unnoticed but definitely shouldn't so guys like that can always get a vote of positivity from me guys that are just phenomenal on the ice in the room in the community
1: yeah and that's a big part of it and i mean the senators they're trying to bring fans back from the community you need guys like pajot you need guys like tourists who put the f- extra effort in i mean Remember Turris after that one playoff game? I think it went to overtime and they were absolutely gassed. First thing he does is visit his charity because he promised that he would do a dinner there. And I mean, I don't think anyone would have uh, been upset if he didn't make it or wanted to get some rest that night. But he put the community first and that's important. And yeah, good point, Parley. That's, That's a big reason why guys like that are beloved in this
0: community. Shout out to the Capital City Condors, the banquet that Cal attended that night, who, when he got traded, handed over to the Boros, Tara and, and Mark. So a nice tie in there between the Boros. And yeah, that's a great point, Parley. We didn't even think really of having a defenseman in there. I think it's still Pajot based on more longevity, but you got to give the Wayne Gretzky you hitting a little love too, right?
2: <laughs> and talk about a guy that'll bleed for you. Just piggybacking no, on my thought point as well. I'm Elite. doing a lot of piggy batting. <laughs>
0: Elite at social media, and you'll be able to find this episode on social media. We'll tweet out our lineup there as well. Boys, any final words before we get roasted for missing out on it? it has to be someone because I know Button got absolutely steamrolled for leaving Patrick Waugh off of the well. I mean, one halves.
1: thing, sure, the Canadians have that long storied history. I mean, they haven't won a cup since uh, I was born, uh, but other than that, I've I think if you're a Habs fan, you're you're a little left searching for a little more familiarity because almost all those guys are from the good old days, other than Carey Price, who they had to put on, had to sneak a, a current player on there. So I think the Sens list is going to be a lot more fun, and people can kind of look back and remember those days. I think that's one nice thing about having a, a shortened franchise history.
2: Boys, before we uh, let this one slip away, I don't want to talk about the Habs anymore. That was kind of gross, but... I think we should go around and quickly give our favorite Drake Batherson moment in honor of his birthday party. I'll start us off uh, standing front row on the glass, barely being able to see through it. Remember that, Ross, on July 2nd, after we had a day on Canada Day, and we're in the rink, we're fully suited up for some interviews, and Drake Batherson does that move where he's cutting towards the middle, and he just quickly puts it through the triangle between the skates and the stick of the defenseman, and then just that... Hesitation on the shot and then just holds on to it and finds Twine. I had seen him do it so many times in junior, and then I uh, saw him do facts. it exactly. And then to see him do it live, just how smooth he is and how easy he can like see those little moments almost like a basketball player. You can like see that little bit of a, a spot to jump into and create off, instant offense out of it. And he does that and it was so smooth. And that's just a moment that always sticks in my mind. So if you guys want to throw on out too.
1: Well I don't have like a very specific moment, but for more for me it was more the feeling that Drake Batherson brought to Belleville. Like when he finally started heating up and leading the entire American hockey league in scoring for weeks at a time. I mean, Reed Boucher was always nipping on his heels. But when you knew Batherson was playing at home in Belleville, the crowd was fired up. Uh, They do little trivia questions before every game. Who do you think is going to score the first goal for the Senators? It was Batherson every night. Kids with Batherson jerseys. Like The the community of Belleville really rallied around him. And then when Batherson moved up, that torch got passed to Norris. So I think for me, just Batherson really giving a uh, uh, aura in Belleville that this can be a successful hockey city again with star-studded names like Batherson. so I think for me it's what he brought to the community of Belleville and hopefully other than it, if there is a playoff run this year we don't see him back in Belleville and he brings that same kind of vibe and energy to the Ottawa Senators
0: well this is a player who in his first ever game in Belleville had three assists had four points in his third ever AHL game but my favorite Drake Batherson moment has to be in his seventh AHL home game. Sorry, so many numbers there. But it was one of the many times where Drake Batherson torched the Toronto Marlies, his favorite opponent. This time he was more setting up. So I mentioned it was one of his first home games, seventh to be exact. He put up a goal and five assists. Six points in a 7-6 win. Incredible. Two assists. I was with
1: Condon with the Marlies, right? Or no, Condon with Belleville.
0: Actually, yeah, it was. It was the Condon yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. And how funny is it that it's Jeff Glass, a Sens draft pick. Um, that was for a go- wild. That great a trivia wild. question, too. When you ask somebody who was the goalie of the best world junior team of all time, you're just like, yeah, Jeff Glass. But yeah, that that game was absurd. Uh, Will Landon had five points as well. A yep, goal, four assists, And they were losing with 10 minutes left in the third period. So they were up, oh, this was a a crazy game. It was five four for for the Belleville going into the third, and then Mason Marchman scored two goals on the power play, one a minute in, one eleven thirty nine in. So Toronto takes the lead with eight minutes left, and then I told you Drake assisted on both of these. But with seven minutes left, they tie it, and then with one forty left, Francois Beauchemin, an ECHL <laughs> AHL player well he's helped by two future nhl studs Willannon and batherson and that was an awesome game we were working that game i remember like oh, yeah. yesterday um, so yeah that one would have to be high up on the list of batherson memories right. we we have to mention his first nhl point too right first game first goal first shot wearing those sick red throwback not throwbacks but the uh, nhl 100 jerseys Against the
2: the Red Wings. But I guess we can forget that it was against the Red Wings. Okay, leave that out. Obviously, some other ones come to mind too. Uh, when he assisted on the uh, gold medal clinching goal from Alex Formanton. I remember tweeting it was a sensational moment. That was a lot of fun to see, and then him ha- coming on the podcast and talking about what it was like to be in that moment and wearing the wearing the crest and all that stuff. So, obviously, lots of cool moments, but uh, yeah, a lot of them stick out, stick out, and uh, are pretty exciting when you think about the future this kid's gonna have. So. Happy birthday, once again, to Drake Batherson. I think that does it for
0: us. Unless there's anything you boys want to add, let's, uh, let's leave it there. You can roast our uh, lineup. Of course, we're doing this in preparation of the TSN panel releasing who they think is on the Sens' all-time list. So we'll circle back and do a little cross-examination once that does come out. I'm hearing maybe... May 6th. But for now, that's it for us. That's Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament. I'm pointing as though you can see them on Skype. I'm the idiot Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.